Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and this weekend, the Seahawks and the Packers are facing off in the divisional round. And here joining me to preview the matchup, Zach Report of the Acme Packing Company, the APC Podcast. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? Dude, I'm fired up for this game. You know, not a lot of teams get to make it to the divisional round of the playoffs. And our two teams are among the final eight teams and playing for the opportunity to go to an NFC championship where I think that was the last time these two teams faced off in the playoffs. And uh, I know that brings up some bad memories, but uh, that's that's where we are, Zach. I just well, you know, I just went over this with my therapist. I don't know why you got to bring it up like right now on the air, man. That's that's rough. It's a low blow. <laughs> but, I didn't uh, want yeah, like to throw Brandon Bostick's name out there right away. I wanted to hold off on that for a bit. So, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I feel the uh, the collective rage of Packers Twitter swelling right now as we're talking about Brandon Bostick's name. Like people feel this like pang in their chest. But uh, I at this point, I had no hard feelings for that guy. I don't know. I was... <laughs> The result of that game, obviously, is uh, a real knife wound in the in the in the chest of my uh, Packers fandom over the years. But um, no, we've moved on. We've moved on. We've moved on. Um, and like you said, it's a privilege. Not too many teams uh, get to this point in the playoffs. And uh, hey, for my Green Bay Packers, not too many teams uh, get to uh, kick their feet up and uh, watch other teams duke it out on Wild Card Weekend. So that was fun for a change. Yeah, you guys get the first round by you miss out that because of the Seahawks and some would say maybe an officiating call that the Packers miss out on having the very the, the number one seed and home field advantage throughout the playoffs. That would have been nice. But the Seahawks, they fall to the 49ers in that last game of the season. And I, I have to imagine that that must have hurt just a little bit knowing that you could have had home field throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it hurt because I think that um, well, I'm a realist and and the guys on my show as well. We also uh, we're all we're all realists. And so we always viewed home field advantage as um, as a, a nice to have. That was uh, an unrealistic expectation to hang your hat on. So, I mean, at, at, uh, and I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit. But, you know, at the beginning of the year, I had I think it was 11 and five as like the absolute blow them out of the water ceiling for Matt LaFleur's first year. And so at this point, I mean, everything's, everything's gravy. Obviously we want our team to, uh, to, uh, to get to the big game, but we're, we're on cloud nine right now, man. This is beyond our wildest expectations. So we're feeling good. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Matt LaFleur, his very first year as coach, you know, I, I felt like early on in the season, there was all this talk among sports media that, oh, you know, there's uh, Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers. These guys aren't going to be able to get along. Aaron Rodgers wants to be able to call the audibles. And were you nervous at all going into the season with with all that news kind of starting up at the beginning of the year? I was not nervous. Uh, again, you know, speaking personally and 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 for the guys on our show, um, I think that we play it pretty even keel and, and we don't buy into a lot of the a lot of the sort of narratives that are out there in uh, in the in the greater you know football blogosphere, and of course with uh, with pieces by like Ty Dunn and a few other and a few other writers over the last few years talking about the rift that happened between McCarthy and and Rogers and uh, within the organization. Um, you just I don't know. I just always take that stuff with uh, with a grain of salt. I'm sure that there's some truth to that. 
Um, I, I can tell you that I'm pretty sure that Aaron Rodgers is like kind of a prickly guy, but I also think he's very competitive and also a realist and also can be a nice guy and is a damn good quarterback and just has to, you know, you, you get along with the coach, you trust the coach and you just go from there. And, and, and I felt pretty good about that from the get-go. I thought uh, you mentioned the audible story. I thought that was much ado about nothing yeah. that if anything else was just sort of a terminology uh, difference. Slash, uh, you know, the, 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 the two, and I'm talking about LaFleur and Rogers just kind of got to meet in the middle. And that's a process that you, that you, uh, sort of iron out over time. Um, much like the offense itself has been, uh, uh, sort of ironed out over time throughout the season here. So, um, speaking again, as a, as a realist and not someone who buys into the panicky, uh, juicy narratives, um, I never really bought it. Yeah, sports media would never blow up anything to make it bigger than it actually is. That never happens. So uh, I think I think some of us get tired of that happening from time to time. So I do want to get your impression, though, of of Coach LaFleur through this first season. The one the one negative that I will say to start things out uh, as as um, I've just been talking all week on air and with the uh, Cowboys podcast over at SB Nation um, and on my own show about Mike McCarthy and sort of waxing uh, nostalgic about the McCarthy era. So the one thing I'll say is that uh, Matt LaFleur does not give a very exciting press conference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, He's just not he's just not very uh, he's just not very dynamic. There's there's some platitudes and and a few key phrases that he just kind of sticks to and it's a little it's a little boring and frankly he sounds a little uh, a little nervous at the microphone and that's gotten better over time but um, other than that I think everything is, is going swimmingly I do think there's a learning curve uh, for a, a rookie head coach and you've seen him make a few mistakes uh, throughout the season uh, whether it's with a challenge whether it's with certain play calls or um, combinations of of plays and games um, but overall uh, I am thrilled I think the concept has the offensive concepts have have brought the Packers more in line with the modern era of football. And um, I think he's been really, really top notch in terms of his uh, scripted plays. So for the most part, the team has done a really good job coming out hot or coming out like uh, looking like they have a plan. And um, I think he's also done a really great job of uh, knowing when to stick to the plan and knowing uh, when you need to adapt on the fly. I think that was a big complaint uh, down the stretch of McCarthy's run with the Packers. A big complaint from fans was his sort of failure to adapt mid-game was not something that he was very good at. So we've definitely seen more of that this year than we've really been used to in the last, you know, decade and a half. And so um, that's been a treat. As well, it just seems like the team is invigorated and they brought in some new personalities and, and um, Lafleur's controlling the room. People want to play for him. He's a, he's a player's coach. And uh, so far, everything's coming up. Millhouse, man, we're excited. Well, one of the big things that, that seems to be the, the biggest change to me as, as a fan looking from the outside is the change in the defense. But I also get the sense that some people are more down on Aaron Rodgers this year. And I look at his stats and... He, he gets over 4,000 yards just barely this year, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions, so he's taking care of the football. But what's your assessment of Rodgers been this year? Why is he getting that rap of this being maybe a down year of some sort? 
it's interesting uh, that you you bring up the stats because um, I have his his stats from last season and this season pulled up, and they are virtually identical. Actually, less passing yards this year than than last year. But uh, last year, twenty five touchdowns, two interceptions. This year, twenty six touchdowns, four interceptions. Let's see, yards per attempt, seven point four last year, seven this year. You know, I think that people are down on uh Rodgers because he at what at one point a number of years ago set the bar very 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 high sure and so anything less than that is uh, is a problem you know we have a we have a saying uh around the Packers blogosphere and that's uh referring to uh certain certain Packers fans as entitled town Packers fans uh, just because they, they've grown so used to, and this dates back to the Favre era, so used to winning, so used to positive results, um, that whenever anything is not even bad, but closer to average or maybe just good, it's just the sky is falling. And so that was that's a narrative that we've dealt with for the past couple years as the McCarthy tenure sort of ended up grinding to a halt. But it's certainly at play this year as well with uh, people thinking that, that Rodgers is just not measuring up. The other thing I would say is that uh, I do think that it is fair to say that Rodgers is a little bit older mm-hmm. and um he has a screw, a number of screws in his in his body. Uh he's he's he, uh, and by that I mean he's, you know, um recovered from a number of injuries, a couple of them like uh, momentarily catastrophic to his throwing arm. And so I don't know, to I'm not surprised by it. I think it's only natural. I do think um and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later. I do think once you get to the the playoffs, maybe he'll be able to turn on a little bit of that magic. But um, I don't know. I'm not too worried about it. I'm I'm just relieved, as you mentioned, the defense a little bit earlier. I'm just relieved that um, he hasn't had to be that, you know, 2010 through 2015 uh, quarterback um, for this team to win. And so he hasn't played hero ball as we say on our show just because it hasn't been necessary so i don't know maybe that's just kind of stark for some people and they're scratching their heads well it is interesting to me though that aaron Rodgers and i look at the seahawks kind of similarly and i and the packers and the seahawks have actually been mentioned in similar conversations by playing in so many close games this year and i feel like it's a knock on the seahawks everybody says oh well they play in all these close games you know they could go if all those games went the other direction they'd be 3 and 13 or something going into the playoffs and it's well you know that's because we have a quarterback russell wilson that pulls off those wins at the end you know it's not just a fluke it's that they do this consistently and i think you could kind of say that with the packers too yeah they've played in a lot of close games but they have aaron rodgers and and when you're in those close matchups, the quarterback can play a big role in that in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I think that maybe there's a difference in and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think that uh, for the most part, and especially in this home stretch, the last month of the season, um, the Packers defense has been awesome, totally dominant. And I'm not sure you can say the same thing about the Seahawks defense, but I haven't watched that closely. So please <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong there. No, you're not wrong. This is one of the <laughs> most, you know, and, you know, you talk about uh, entitled town uh, for the Packers. I feel like as Seahawks fans, we're so used to having, you know, a top five defense. And so when we have an average defense, we think it's, you know, among the worst defenses that the Seahawks have ever had in history. Yeah. And yeah, they're average, <laughs> which when you have a top quarterback and you're used to this and seeing that with Aaron Rodgers so many years, you're, you're getting to the playoffs on the back of Aaron Rodgers. 
and now it's kind of it's kind of reverse since maybe these two teams faced last. And the Packers are doing it more with the defense, and there's less pressure on Rodgers. And now I feel like there's more pressure on Russell Wilson, and he's and he's getting it done under that pressure. Yeah, and 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 to your earlier point, um, so I feel like some of Rodgers' production um, between like 2015 and and uh, maybe halfway through 2018 was just knowing that the defense was not going to get it done. Mm-hmm. And just always having that urgency, like I literally have to make something happen myself. We got to try to score every time we have the ball. And that sounds a little silly because obviously the goal is always to score. But um, but I think that uh, this year we've seen a Rodgers who's a little bit more willing to say, you know, hey, let's live another down because I trust that we're going to get the ball back. One of the guys he's been especially tied into this year is Devontae Adams. And I feel like, you know, if you're looking at guys that Aaron Rodgers has some kind of magic with, it's him and Devontae Adams. And I was surprised that he is not a 1,000 yard receiver. And I know he had some health issues this year, but I look at our team, you know, Tyler Lockett, he had some health issues that kept him out. He still went over 1,000 yards. And I look at just that, that connection between Rodgers and Devontae Adams and that is something that the Seahawks are going to need to be able to at least slow down in this game coming up. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, I take issue with the thousand yard benchmark because two, <laughs> I think it's two years in a row now. I think he's had exactly 997 yep. yards. That's, that's basically a thousand yard season. <laughs> Come on. And he had turf toe for like a month, uh, at least four weeks. He was out, I think maybe more. And so don't get mad at me. I didn't create this thousand yard benchmark. <laughs> I know we all like our nice round numbers and oh, the all decade team and all this, you know, I don't know. I just, it's a thousand yards, 997. It's a lot. It's a lot for a guy who, uh, who, as we've just said, missed a big chunk of the season, but, um, yeah, he does. I think he has that mind meld with Adams, which is something that, I remember in Adams' rookie year, a moment against uh, the Dolphins, where he sort of proved that he he could had he had the potential to have that uh, that mind meld on a, a fourth down a fourth down play late in that game. Uh, it was just one of those moments that you saw so many times over the years with like Rogers and Jordy Nelson, for example, where you could just tell that they were communicating through their eyes. I saw that early on uh, with Adams, and we've seen that really come to fruition the last few years. So I feel really, really great about that tandem. I feel less great about all the other wide receivers that are behind Devonte Adams. And that's been kind of a, a, a sticking point, a, um, a negative knock in the eyes of Packers fans on this, uh, roster, the last, uh, two, maybe even three, four years, really. It's just the number of, of weapons, uh, high quality weapons that, that they give Rogers. We really like Alan Lazard, who's kind of operating as our, our number two receiver, but in an ideal world, he's like really a number four receiver. And so that gives you an idea. We've got a, we've got a true number one in Adams. Then we've got a four in a two, and then we've got a bunch of fives playing two, three, four, like three, four and five. So it's, uh, we're, we're making do we're doing what we can. Uh, Adams is awesome, but we don't feel great about the rest of them. So what would you expect the Seahawks to maybe try and do to try and slow down that connection with Adams and try and force Rogers into throwing to, to some of those other guys? I think that Rogers, you know, he's, he's capable of finding, finding an Alan Lazard for a clutch third down catch. So that's another guy. You do have to keep track of him. I, I feel like I'm knocking him, calling him actually a, a number four. We really like him around here. Yeah. 
So he he is an option as well this year. Something uh, new, a novel concept for us uh, under the new Matt Lafleur offense is that the running backs um, are are being deployed in the passing game, mm-hmm. and so you got to look out. You got to look out for them too. I think I think we're going to get Jamal Williams back. He's a he's a great pass blocker and receiving back. Jones, uh, Aaron Jones, of course, um, has had I believe it was three passing touchdowns, a number of big plays um, to add to his 16 rushing touchdowns this year, as well as Danny Vitale. Don't sleep on our fullback who um, they haven't really connected the way that I know that they've wanted to all year. But um, he is a big, fast man who gets in the open field and is easy to lose, easy to lose track of. So, um, so there are options there, and I do think that this uh, Seahawks defense is going to have their hands full. Now, that also is assuming that the Packers' offense is operating, you know, on all cylinders in a vacuum, which we've seen this year. It's been very, it's been very stop and start. Um, whether it's Rodgers or the receivers, or the running backs being slightly not on the same page with some stuff. And and personally, as a Packers fan, I'm I'm just hoping that they took the week to sort of cull through the the season and say, okay, these concepts worked really well for us, and these ones didn't, and we're just going to stick to what's worked. Well, you brought up the offense, but you know, there's another defining line that I see as a component to the Packers success. And I want to talk about that with you coming up next. The Seahawks and the Packers, they finish off the weekend playoff games in that final slot on Sunday. And I'm talking to Zach Report of the APC podcast and I brought it up before the break, Zach. There's there's a defining line, a, a component to the Packers' success that I look at, just looking down the stats at what games they've won, what games they've lost. And it's interesting, in all of the games that the Packers have lost, and it's just three games, but not able to come up with a turnover on defense. And the other, the fourth game where they didn't come up with a turnover was that close game to Detroit Earlier on in the season, you guys had two close matchups with Detroit. Kind of a fun stat is that you never led once uh, until the very end in both of those games. Kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of funny. But, um, you know, have you seen that as this team? You brought up the offense and being kind of a slow start. But does this defense really require turnovers to to help this team win? Ooh, they sure help, don't they? <laughs> um I don't think it's a requirement, but I do think that um, the the defense is set up to try and generate turnovers to try and get the ball back uh, for the offense. And and when that works, the, the Packers obviously win. And when it doesn't, they have a tougher time winning. It's not a new concept. That's something as well throughout the McCarthy era um, that was always preached. You want you want to win the turnover battle. You want to be plus on the season in the turnover battle. So it just stands to reason they're not the only team that uh, that thinks that way. Obviously, uh, but I do think that there is some some truth to what you're saying. But I would also offer that um, some of those losses, you know, there's the Packers have been relatively uh, uh, fortunate on defense and offense all year, but especially on defense in terms of injuries. But in the instances where they have had to battle through some injuries and Kenny Clark kind of struggling for a while comes to mind, um, you see that showing up in these games uh, where they ultimately lost. They they failed to generate turnover. So I think there's a I think there's a connection there and kind of both things are true at the same time. And the reason why I was so tied in on it is because for the Seahawks, this last game against the Eagles was the first time that they got a win without 
our defense generating a turnover. So the Seahawks very similar in that getting those turnovers on defense has really been key to victory. And I, I wasn't even looking at turnover differential. I was just looking at the fact, did they get a turnover or not? And yeah. uh, it was just interesting to see that the the Packers had that similar problem in their three losses. So uh, kind of curious to me, but the defense Man, when the Packers defense is on and I look at that week 16 game against Minnesota, you know, another one of the final eight teams in the playoffs and the Packers defense was on in that game and it looked like Minnesota really had no chance to win that game. Yeah, uh, you know, we it's been a pleasant surprise um, speaking specifically of the Vikings. Uh, everyone on, on the APC pod team uh, all year had kind of been saying, you know, the Vikings, I think, are the stronger team in the division. And we were just kind of waiting for them to uh, to ultimately win the division. And it never came to fruition. The Packers able to uh, to essentially uh, dominate both of those games, even uh, the first game you mentioned, Dalvin Cook kind of going off and having a, a career game and, and still the defense was able to get it done. So I want to flip back over to the offense, Zach, and we talked about receivers but we didn't talk about some of the other pass catchers, specifically Jimmy Graham, former Seahawks tight end, former New Orleans Saints tight end. And I'm wondering, as a Seahawks fan, should we be worried about a Jimmy Graham revenge game? Nope. <laughs> Simple answer. No, don't worry about it. Why, why has he struggled so much since he left here? I know he kind of struggled in his final years and he, he came back from the knee injury. But, you know, why hasn't he been able to really make that connection with Aaron Rodgers? It's it's. It's an interesting concept I'll explain to you. It's called getting old. <laughs> and uh, I think that's really just just all there is to it. I do think he has a connection uh, with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers has talked a lot. He's had to defend uh, Jimmy Graham's constant involvement a lot uh, in sort of those uh, midweek locker room interviews. And the thing he keeps saying about Jimmy Graham is, we see it in practice. I have faith in Jimmy Graham. We see it in practice. Um, but you can only not see it in the game so many times as a fan before you just have to, to write it off. You know, a guy who can bring it in practice, by the way, he skips half the practices with veteran rest, um, a guy who can bring it in practice, but then on game day, he just doesn't have the juice, man. I, I don't know. I, I, I always hesitate to kind of, to talk in a way that seems to drag a player down, especially a tight end uh, as uh, you and your audience wouldn't know, but I'm a huge tight end fan. I talk about, it's my favorite position. I don't know why I just, (laughs) it's the position I played in like sixth grade football. Um, and, and my, my earliest uh, football memories, my favorite players were always tight end. So I am on tight end corner. I love the Jimmy Graham signing. Um, I love all the tight ends on the Packers roster for, for various reasons. So I am team Jimmy Graham uh, in that way. However, um, the guy just can't run anymore. And because he can't run, he can't really separate. Yeah. And what they, what they want him to do is kind of just like go up and make a play, throw 50, 50 balls. And he's got that big frame and those big hands and just go up and, and make a play and score a touchdown. And they've given him a lot of opportunities to do that. And he has he has failed more often than not. There's there's really no way around it. It's really, um, I think, the the signing of Jimmy Graham and the choice um, this offseason to bring him back and to not release him and eat a little bit of money is, I think, really the only kind of black mark on on the early years of Brian Gutekunst's um, tenure as the GM over in Green Bay. We look back and with Aaron Rodgers, it does seem like he always has those wide receiver connections. And we talked about Devontae Adams. But one of the things I don't feel like has been there for him in the past is a running game. But now Aaron Jones 
is back there. He's over a thousand yards rushing. He plays a big part in the passing game, as you mentioned. Just how important has Aaron Jones been to the Packers offense? All the difference. I mean, we just talked about uh, how Aaron Rodgers' stats uh, were identical basically this year to last year. Last year, a season that was so bad, it got the longtime Super Bowl winning head coach fired. And and this year, the difference is Aaron Jones. And and, and speaking as we did earlier about ways in which Matt Lafleur um, has been different from from Mike McCarthy, it is that usage of Jones. Um, McCarthy has always been very pass happy, offensive mind, and almost seemed to uh, want to keep Jones on a leash, kind of to despite the team. And and we've seen that go away this year. And 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 Jones has been unleashed as a, as a featured running back uh, as well as being featured uh, in the pass game as well. And to his credit, he's also made a big jump in the, in the pass blocking department as well. Um, he has been huge um, as well. I don't want to discount uh, Jamal Williams as well, being able to count on him as sort of as sort of the thunder portion of, of that thunder and lightning um, e- equation. It's It's been very refreshing. And, and yeah, to underscore your point, Aaron Jones has been just so, so crucial. I just about had a, a mini heart attack in, in the last game of the season where he went down momentarily right. uh, with an injury, ended up coming back in the game, um, much to much to all of our um, our delight. <laughs> well, you know, on the other side of the ball, the Green Bay Packers defense going to be going up against potentially some more Marshawn Lynch. I hear Pete Carroll talking about getting him more involved. How has that defense been against the run game? And does that concern you at all now? That uh, yeah, it's an older Marshawn Lynch, but it's still Marshawn Lynch. Um, I'm not concerned. I love we love we love Marshawn Lynch. Uh, speaking for myself, and again the guys uh, on our show, we are huge Marshawn Lynch fans. I was uh, I was thrilled to see him uh, come back just for the stories alone. Um, and uh, uh, Ben, my co-host, was not thrilled to see him come back because he's very much a, a player safety guy. And he's like, no, just don't get hurt. Come on. You you were out. You were fine. Just go home. But um, no, uh, I'm excited to see him back. But uh, ultimately, um, based on uh, what I've seen uh, of him so far, I'm not super worried. I'll, I'll say this. The, the Packers defense is a little bit soft on the run, but that is by design. Mm-hmm. It's one of those, you know, we're going to, we're going to let you run the ball. We're going to try to contain that within reason, but we're not going to sell out for it. Um, and really we're going to concentrate on good coverage in the secondary and getting pressure on the quarterback, because that is the best way to, uh, to create turnovers in the modern NFL. So it is a little bit by design and, and if Marshawn Lynch and company can, uh, can exploit that and rip off a couple, you know, 17, 24 yard runs, um, then, then the Packers defense might have, um, a, a tougher road ahead of them, but I don't necessarily see that as likely. What about you? Well, it is where I think that the Seahawks found success in that when they had Rashad Penny and Chris Carson, because I think the Vikings played a similar style in our matchup with them earlier on in the season. And I think, you know, they got torched for like 250 yards on the ground and the Seahawks and Pete Carroll were just happy to play that game, you know, and still get the, some of the big plays from Russell Wilson. So I, I'm curious to see now it's Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer. I don't know if I quite have that same uh, expectation that they can get that done, but I'd like to see an, a big game for Marshawn. If, you know, if this is where the Seahawks go out with all the injuries, I'm not going to be too upset, but I do think 
that they have a chance against the Packers, despite all the history at Lambeau Field. I know they haven't won there since 1999, and that was you know what Mike Holmgren's first game back there as the head coach of the Seahawks. But you know what, Russell Wilson's one and zero against the uh, against the Packers in the playoffs. So hey, I like I like looking at that record instead. And I'm curious what your thoughts are. Where where's your big concern about this game going into it on Sunday? My big concern is just Russell Wilson, um, and we've talked about it a bit on, on our show. Russell Wilson is a guy like Aaron Rodgers that just has the ability to, uh, when, when the chips are down, to just flip the switch and, and turn on that magic. And and he's been asked to do that so many times, and he's delivered so many times. And, and it really is uh, so often, I think, the case as Russell Wilson goes, so go the, the Seahawks. Um, but, you know, he's just he's just a guy who he can... He throws probably the most beautiful deep ball in in the league, and um, he's a guy who's so he's dangerous in that way. From in the pocket, he's dangerous out of the pocket, and um, so that's really my uh, my my biggest concern. I would say I'm not super worried essentially about any other element. I, I know that uh, Lockett and Metcalf are both really really good, but I trust the Packers secondary to like not let those guys sort of go off. I think that that. Um, they will get theirs, but I'm not expecting monster days uh, from either of them. I'm really just most worried about uh, Russell Wilson doing Russell Wilson things. You know, I heard you guys joking on the APC podcast about how 17 to 9 is a sea hockey final score, and they did that <laughs> against the Eagles twice. But I don't suppose you remember the score the last time the Seahawks played the Packers in Green Bay, do you? Uh, yeah, I do. It was, uh, wait, wait, let me, uh, it was. 17 to 9. It was 17 to 9. <laughs> the Packers over the Seahawks. Yeah, it's funny uh you you mentioned um sort of the record of the of the two teams going back and forth and um so I was looking up the the last handful of games and I guess I didn't realize this but with all of the Seahawks fans I've seen on, on Twitter are like, "Oh, you know, we've been, you know, we the Seahawks are as it uh What's your uh, your road record? Is it seven and one or well, eight and one? Now that we beat one. the Eagles in the playoffs, that's right. Yeah. That's right, eight and one. So really good. And so everyone's like, ah, we got to hang our hats on that. We feel really good going into Lambo. Meanwhile, the Packers are seven and one at home. So you got that working against you. But looking historically uh, back at the game since uh, since I believe Russell Wilson took the helm in twenty twelve. Is that right? That's right. Um, the the Seahawks have won all of the home games and right. and. <laughs> all of their home games and the Packers have won all of their home games. So the, the first three going to Seattle, then the Packers in green Bay three in a row. And then, and then most recently uh, last year, I believe it was uh, in Seattle and and the Seahawks won that one. So all of those, all of those factors in sort of the uh, bingo ball cage and you, you shake it up and you reach in and, and I feel good about a Packers win. I don't know about you, but (laughs) I feel good about a possible Seahawks win too, but I, you know what I feel even better about, is that we're going to have some kind of moment because I feel like there's oh, so totally. many moments in the franchise between the Packers and the Seahawks. And you even you go back to Matt Hasselbeck, you know, in the in the overtime game saying we want the ball and we're going to score. And, you know, it's it's kind of a harsh moment because we lost that game, but it's it's a memorable one. And you know, I, then I you, remember watching that game in real time as a kid and being yeah. like, you are losing this game. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I believed my quarterback at the time, but you know, then you, you fast forward and, and we have the successful Hail Mary catch by Golden Tate in the end zone that, uh, you know, was such a, a controversial play for, you know, that brought uh, the regular refs back and then the NFC championship game. And I brought up Brandon Bostick's name and, you know, Jermaine curse with the game winning touchdown. It's just, we have all these moments and I I'm expecting there to be another one after this game. Oh, I, I 100% agree. I think that, um, wildcard weekend is my favorite weekend in terms of, in terms of games, I think. And we, and we got a really good one, uh, this past week, but I'm expecting, uh, some really, really interesting moments on Sunday from, uh, from all the games. And, um, I, I see this game as being annoying for both sets of fans. <laughs> I think that Twitter is going to be uh, a hellscape. And I, I think that the Packers right now, as we record this on Wednesday afternoon, depending on where you look are like three and a half or four point yep. favorites. And for me, I feel like that's about right. I see like 27, 23 or something, something around there. Maybe you feel similarly the other way around. I don't know. It seems like we're <laughs> each playing the Homer card here. Well, I, and, and that's fine. And I don't expect anything different. And I do. You know what I will say is I think it will come down to the quarterback who has the ball last with enough time on the clock to score. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I whoever and an that ends up being, if it's Aaron Rodgers, then I'll expect him to win in that moment. If it's Russell Wilson, I'll expect him to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you there. Well, Zach, really appreciate you coming on the show and helping break down this matchup on Sunday. If people want to go check out your show, I know you guys are going to be previewing the Seahawks game as well. If people want to tune in, where do they go and catch it? Yeah, we actually have a very, very special guest. Seahawks fans are going to want to listen to our podcast. Um, and you can find us uh, at acmepackingcompany.com. We always post a blog post there uh, with every episode or on iTunes, wherever you get your your podcasts. Uh, just look up Acme Packing Company and uh, we are the flagship show there. We're called the APC Podcast. So uh, look us up there. And again, Friday morning, uh, we are going to publish our preview episode with a very special guest that Seahawks fans are going to want to listen to. Oh, if you're teasing it that way, Zach, if it's not Matt Hasselbeck, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> it's uh, Mike Holmgren. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go check it out. Zach, really thank you for coming on the show and uh, best of luck to you on Sunday. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks once again to Zach for coming on the show. Be sure and subscribe to this show. Subscribe to his show, especially if you want to check out that episode coming up, previewing the Seahawks matchup on the APC podcast. You can go to SBNation.com slash NFL podcasts and subscribe there. Be sure and hop on over to FieldGoals.com. John P. Gilbert has the news up about Michael Kendricks moving over to injured reserve. They move offensive tackle Chad Wheeler from the practice squad to the active roster. So that gives the Seahawks an 11th offensive lineman some flexibility when it comes to narrowing that 53-man roster down to 46 on game day. We'll see if that means if Dwayne Brown can't go, that they need the extra offensive lineman there. Or maybe he can go and Wheeler ends up being a healthy scratch, but they're just in case for that game time decision. I'll have the injury updates on Saturday morning, along with my chat with Anthony Knockreiner of the Knock on Sports. Look for that Saturday morning. We'll talk to you again then. Go Hawks!